Few contractors ever dream the partial government shutdown would start to approach a full month. So the question becomes, how do you keep operating through such a long lapse in revenue? And should the end come into view, how do you gear up? For some insight, David Berto, president and CEO of the Professional Services Council. And David, you had a seminar, a webinar for some of your members and quite a big crowd tuned in. What do you do? How do you operate through something that lasts longer than anyone dreamed? Well, that's an important question, Tom, and uh, thank you. And welcome to day 24 of the partial government shutdown. What we held last Thursday was a a webinar on what do you do now that you're in the middle of a shutdown? And we all know it's going to end, but we have no idea when it's going to end. So how do you operate as a a company along those lines? Um, And in particular, how do you be ready for day one of, of the opening again, right? And so we focused a lot on the management of contracts inside a shutdown, and particularly where maybe there's funding available, but the government's not around. And so there's a lot of issues that come up with there. And we focused on how do you document both your costs and your consequences from the shutdown so that you're prepared to submit claims on the day the government reopens. And what did you tell them? What we told them, first of all, in terms of documentation, that they should track everything associated with costs. We have member companies, for instance, that have opened up new charge numbers for uh, the overhead that their employees will be charging while they're staying on the payroll but not able to charge to the contract. And so you can keep track of separate accounts as companies uh, allocate those resources. One of the critical issues that every company has to face, whatever size it is, is which employees do I keep and how do I pay them when I'm not earning revenue associated with them. So there's a number of ideas you can do along the way. Training requirements that have to be met for the year anyway, do them now, right? Um, uh, Paid time off. uh, You don't want people to necessarily take a vacation in January, but uh, but in fact, if that's what you have to do to get them to stay on the payroll, you do paid time off. Sure, because spring training hasn't started yet, so nobody's heading to Florida. It's too early to go to Florida. You know, you can look at an empty facility, but that's no good. Um, And and in fact, we are seeing a number of companies that that are uh, having to lay people off temporarily, maybe take two days a week without pay, right? So you're basically uh, unpaid leave uh, category. Uh, One of the issues is how do you keep your indirect costs aligned with your direct costs, right? So if you're laying people off on the direct workforce, you probably have to lay off an equivalent number of people in the indirect workforce. Otherwise, it messes up your rates and makes you non-competitive for the next bid. There's another piece, which is how do you bid on proposals that are due and the government's not open to receive the proposals. And this is a tough question if there's nobody there to answer your, your questions or tell you that. And so our advice is, you know, you obviously sure. have to make your own decisions, but you probably have to put a proposal in. Now, at the SEC, I just happened to be on their website, they issued a list of contracts that they deem necessary to continue to operate for the basic essential functions of the SEC. And there's about 100 contracts listed. And so I would say maybe there's 75 vendors that have multiple contracts. Does that mean that those people from the contractors are still doing work at SEC facilities, for example, or how does that all work? In many cases, they're still doing work. They may not be at the SEC facility. Uh, you know, that would be determined really on an agency by agency and contract by contract basis. This is one of the things we think is important to work out before the shutdown starts, but obviously it's too late for that now. So we have situations even where, in fact, a contract at the beginning of the shutdown may be deemed to be non-essential, but as time progresses, it may be restarted again. We also have the opposite. We have contracts that were continuing at the start 
part of the shutdown that after it's now in its third or fourth week may be, in fact, deemed no longer essential. And essentiality is an important point here because essentiality is not based on the people involved, but on the nature of the work and whether or not it's essential to the operation of the agency and whether or not it it protects life, safety, uh, property. Sure, because a lot of contractors have told me they're worried about not having the people available at the restart that the government thought it was entitled to have working on its contract because those people had been bid as part of the team that won. That's right. And actually, you know, one of the really important questions here is how do you hang on to the workforce that you have? It's a pretty competitive environment right now. Um, You know, the unemployment rate is lower than it's been in quite some time, certainly lower than it was in the last shutdown in 2013 by a wide margin. So at what point do people who are not getting paid decide that it's time for them to go get another job? And they may not be there when it comes time to, to, to start up again. I guess they could go to the competitor. David Berto is president and CEO of the Professional Services Council. And what about back pay for contractors that might have to do essential work, but there's no money flowing and you're not just a, say, janitorial, custodial or landscaping type of contractor, which has gotten all the attention in Congress? Right. And as you know, Tom, uh, in every shutdown, uh, this is our 23rd since 1974 now, uh, and every one of those previous shutdowns, there's been some form of back pay approved by the government for federal civilian employees. There's never been a case where back pay was approved for contractors. We've been pushing at PSC for equal treatment for contract workers uh, as well as for, for government workers. And it's not just uh, certain categories of workers or certain wage levels because they're all essential uh, in terms of being able to continue the government's operations. So we think it really should be Everybody should be treated that. And I think you can do that through uh, procedures ex- using existing funding, not, not new money. That There's no additional money needs to be spent here. Uh, and do it in the terms of the contracts with equitable adjustments as necessary, depending on the type of contract. Is that what contractors go ahead and press for, or is that up to the agency? Uh, it's up to the agency, and uh, PSC believes that it would be useful for Congress to weigh in on this because it would encourage the executive branch to do what's right. Sure, because you could have someone, well, maybe the CEO doesn't get back pay if part of his or her salary is allocated toward that contract, but someone in the agency, maybe week after week or year after year, doing training on that software, for example, that's someone you would really think should get their back pay. There's a variety of, of places you could draw the line between what's eligible and what's not. And it really would be done, I think, on a, on a contract by contract basis, but with blanket guidance across the board. In the end, one of the things you have to worry about is not only the reduction in, in available personnel because of people moving elsewhere, but what's this going to do to the competitive environment of, of companies competing for government contract work? You know, If companies go out of business, that's going to reduce the competition. All right. So this, I guess, will end at some point. But then we're not very far off from talking about about 2020 budgets, the possible return of sequestration and the debt ceiling and all of that coming up very shortly. Right. Well, we're halfway through January, and that means that fiscal year 20 is only eight and a half months away. And we have no agreement in Congress on what the level of funding would be for either the Defense Department or for the non-defense or civilian agencies. And we've got actually a budget cap that comes back into place uh, on October 1st, and it's $125 billion. This is more than 10% reduction. There's a lot of work to be done by Congress between now and then to reach a deal. Plus, they've got a debt ceiling that resets on March 1st, and we won't be able to get all the way to October 1st on extraordinary measures. Yeah, so there's plenty for Congress and the White House to argue about besides whatever they're arguing about with respect to the shutdown. Absolutely. And one of the questions you have to ask is, how does this current dynamic play into those much larger questions moving forward for the entire federal government? And do you have a sense of, given all of this confusion ahead, if suppose a federal contractor 
is part of a larger company that's mostly commercial. And in Silicon Valley or Dallas, Texas, wherever the headquarters might be, you get a sense that the boards and the CEOs back there are saying, you know what, should we really be in this nuts old business? And it would certainly be a question that could be raised in some companies, although I would say that also the, the government contracting entities that are part of a larger commercial business do have more flexibility in terms of retaining their workforce, in terms of reassigning their workforce. You know, for a pure contractor, that's a company that's just doing government contracts, you may be able to move workers to existing contracts that are funded, but that's not easy to do, and oftentimes it needs the approval of government people who aren't there. David Berteau is president and CEO of the Professional Services Council. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. Uh, hopefully... The next time I see you, will be past the shutdown. We hope so. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.